We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome, everybody, to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm Jeff Erickson. Uh, today is Thursday, May 13th, uh, and I am here with Rotowire's very own Eric Halterman. Uh, you can follow Eric on Twitter at Eric, E R I K underscore Halterman. Uh, and Eric does a lot of good stuff for us, including the Rotowire Barometer. He is part of our uh, rankings crew uh, for uh, the, you know, the consensus rankings. Uh, I, I'm not sure if consensus is the right word, but. Uh, uh, a set of four rankings we all compiled together. Uh, he also does a lot of KBO coverage for us. He did a great tutorial on how to use the optimizer. He does a lot of things for us, a lot of breaking news as well. Eric, welcome. What's going on? Yeah, nice nice to join you. Uh, enjoyed working next to you on those roundtable rankings, various spots. Roundtable, that's it. Yeah, yeah, that's the word you're looking for. Um, yeah, excited to be making my podcast debut here. Yeah, and you do a lot of podcasts on the KBO side. So it's not like you're a stranger to the mic. In fact, you just... Uh, Invest in new equipment, so all good. Yep, you can see every pore this morning, every little hair. Make sure I yeah. shave perfectly. Lucky us. Uh, yeah. All right, so uh, let's jump right into the breaking news. There's all sorts of stuff to discuss. Uh, it, it is Mariners Day. Both Kelnick and Gilbert going to make their debut. I'm super excited about that. What should we expect? Let's start off with the Jared Kelnick side. Let's get your take on him. Yeah, I mean, he's an interesting one because the – the uh, projections really are incredibly unconvinced, yet every prospect guy in the world absolutely loves him. I think when there's that much consensus, you have to assume that the projections just aren't quite equipped. I think, you know, this is a year where that's probably going to happen quite a lot because the projections weren't set up to miss an entire season of minor league play. So I think there's right. a lot of guys that just don't have that track record in the upper minors that we've just never seen anything like it. 
Uh, so if you're someone like me who I think leans a little bit heavier on the projections than average, I think you missed out on him. Unfortunately, I don't think I have him anywhere, uh, but that doesn't mean I'm not excited. I think I just got a little bit scared of seeing, you know, an 88 WRC plus or something like that. I know right. with any young guy, you're betting on the 90th percentile. That's the reason you go for him is because when it works out, it works out great. Um, so I think on the whole, I'd say I'm nearly as excited as everybody else, but it's a little bit tough seeing seeing numbers that are, you know, like Ben Gamble territory on the projections there. Right. Well, some of that might also be playing time too. You know, uh, I think that's uh, part of the issue is like how much time were you going to give them? When did you expect the Mariners to give them the call? Uh, honestly, they should have given them the call right away. We all know that, but let's not belabor that point because it's already done. Uh, I've got them at uh, like 16 homers and uh, I, I think 15, 15 stolen bases, 17 and 15, I think. Pretty healthy as far as that goes. So uh, we'll see uh, if he lives up to that expectation. If he does, what would that, where would that put you, put him for you? Yeah, let's see. Where where was he taken among outfielders? He was taken as 54th, but that's with that playing time that he, you know, the playing time questions in April, which are already gone. Right. You got to jump him. I don't know where where's a top 30th outfielder was Chris Bryant, but he's having a great year. Dom Smith was 29. Will Myers, 32, maybe somewhere vaguely in there as a guy with some power and speed. And we're not entirely sure uh, about what the average is going to be. So somewhere roughly like that is, I think, the default expectation. But obviously, again, the reason you get him is because if it doesn't work out, you just let him go. But if it does, he's way above that. Right, right. And, you know, he's up for – unless barring like just an utter uh, utter collapse, he, he's up to stay. Unless he's uh, – I'm trying to think of who, who's uh, – Domingo Santana, uh, when he got called up by the Brewers, his first uh, stretch was like nine out of ten strikeouts. You know, if it's that bad, okay, well, then then you'll get it sent, sent back down. That's possible but highly unlikely. Yeah, he doesn't have serious strikeout issues either. I'm not seeing any strikeout rate above – 26% in the minors. So I don't think there's much reason to believe he can't make contact. Right. So uh, how about Logan Gilbert? Because as opposed to Kelnick, everybody, you know, Kelnick was drafted in every single NFBC main event league. Gilbert, on the other hand, is available in pretty much, you know, pretty much all of them, I would think. I, I actually, I, I take that back. He was actually taken in 31 main event leagues. That's That's amazing to me. Uh, I don't know if he's still rostered in that many of them. I have to kind of look that up, go uh, figure out his uh, roster level. But I, I, I got personally, I got caught off guard a little bit by his his uh, his rate of, of of rostership at the draft. So uh, we'll see. Uh, and I got called. I also got caught up, uh, you know, caught off guard by how quickly he got called up. But then you look at the injuries. Uh, you know, no Nick, you know, no uh, no Gonzalez, Marco Gonzalez. That's the big one. But Marge Vicious is hurt. And now uh, they just LJ Newsom's out, and it looks like he's going to be out for a long time too. Yeah, and I think everything we see with Gilbert in the minors is excellent. It's exactly the resume you want to see. Tons of strikeouts, strikeout rate north of thirty-one percent, just walking just about six percent of opposing batters. It's exactly the resume of somebody who should come up and be quite good right away. Decent chance for I think an above-average strikeout rate to go along with. You know, you don't, you don't assume an amazing ERA and WHIP right away, but at least you got that backbone of a decent amount of whiffs. Yeah, that's right. Uh, that's right. So how aggressive are you going to be this weekend? Are you, I mean, is it depend on how he does tonight or are you, uh, are you like on for fab bidding over the weekend? Are you going to be pretty aggressive? I think I wouldn't mind. I mean, 
again, it's exactly the kind of pitcher you want. I, I like those high strikeout guys. That's definitely how I build my rosters. Uh, a lot of the time I'm near the top in strikeouts and low-ish, low-middle in ERA because strikeouts are an area where they tend to stick. Guys don't tend to randomly break out in strikeouts. They don't tend to randomly drop. Right. It seems to be every reason he can get a fair amount of whiffs, which means I'm happy riding through some of his struggles. So I think quite happy to be pretty aggressive with him. All right. Very good. Uh, other big news, Arizona, unfortunately, two injuries. Uh, the big one being Zach Gallon going on the IL. Now, there is a note from him uh, this morning suggesting it's not all that tragic, but frankly, I'm concerned. This is a second trip. It's an elbow. They, they said it's a quote-unquote minor sprain. I always hate seeing that uh, because, yeah, it's easy to say. A sprain is a tear, uh, even though it's a very minor sprain. I guess a lot of pitchers have those at times, but – yeah, Gallon is in a short no-throw period, followed by a second round of imaging to assess healing. Um, I don't know. It seems to me we're going to be out without him for at least a little while. Yeah, I mean, when you give me the word minor and you also give me the word UCL in the same right. note, I think UCL stands out a whole lot more. So the, the downside risk here is pretty huge. I guess the only upside is it's presumably unrelated to the uh, hairline fracture in his forearm was what it was at the Right. Start of the year. So at least, you know, it's not a recurrence. But yeah, I, I'm not placing a ton of stock in the word minor there. Obviously, you got to hold him until, you know, he gets through that no throw period. We will get an update. You know, it's not going to be forever. Uh, and if the news is positive there, I think you'll be happy to have held on to him. But I, I wouldn't do so optimistically at all. So going forward, um, someone wants to, you know, you, you decide you don't want to take the chance. What sort of pitcher are you hoping to get in return if you offer up Gallon for trade? Would would Charlie Morton get the job done? Mm, that doesn't seem bad to me. Um, yeah, somebody who doesn't have the same ceiling. I don't think Morton's ERA is great this year, but I think last I checked his peripherals were more or less fine. So you're getting a guy who definitely would go several rounds below him. You know, I'm, I'm probably thinking five to five-ish, five to seven rounds below where Gallon went in the draft. Seems like a fair place to start. Um, right. You're probably targeting somebody who I guess can afford to sit on him. So find, find that team who has enough pitching who would love to get Gallon down the stretch to really make a charge. So it's right. vague, vaguely Morton seems fair-ish to me. Or you find maybe a struggling veteran like Dylan Bundy maybe. Uh, you're, you're not going to be able to get someone that's flying high. That's the thing. Right. You're going to have to take a discounted rate on somebody if you're going to do a trade. Uh, I, I just think it's an, a fascinating candidate. I had a chance to trade him in the Rotowire Staff Keeper League. Uh, Chris List made a pretty good offer for him, and I decided I don't want, really want to sell. Oops, probably should have sold. But yeah. uh, but then again, you know, never know. I mean, it's just it's now now obviously I don't have any sort of leverage with him. Yeah, I mean, how how often does that come up with pitchers? It seems like pretty often the correct move was probably to have sold, but you know, right. you got to you got to keep Gallon if you got him. I mean, the numbers he can produce yeah. are the kind that you're building a team around, so it's it's tough to just get rid of that. We're recording today's podcast ahead of the XM broadcast. I'm sure he's going to remind me of that when we do the show, XM show today, but uh, so it goes. Uh, teammate Christian Walker went on the IL as well with an oblique injury, and this second trip to the IL for Walker, you know, it's a down-ballot corner infielder, and it's been a tough start for him, but, you know, I have him in a handful of leagues. This is, this is a blow to me. 
Uh, it does open up more playing time for Paven Smith, who's actually had a pretty decent start this season. Yeah, Smith was a guy unique for first baseman that he wasn't supposed to have a ton of power, right? And he hasn't shown a ton. Only slugging 441, that's fine. And he was yeah. always supposed to be making pretty good contact. So 276 average seems like something that could stick. I don't think he's an exciting player, but I think he's definitely rosterable in outside of shallow leagues. Right. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, uh, it's just you got to try to find yet another corner. We've had so many hitter injuries. That's the thing that gets me. Uh, you know, we expect the pitcher injuries, and everyone is like, okay, you're going to have very limited innings. We're going to see pitchers go down. We've seen more hitter injuries than we see pitcher injuries. Uh, you know, we, we saw that yeah, the big one was like uh, Dustin May, but in, in season with the, you know, Tommy John, but we haven't seen too many that we've had to zero out. Last year, we had Thor, we had uh, Chris Sale, we had Severino. One weekend in the season, we had Justin Verlander. I don't feel like we've had that. that scourge uh that that long array of pitcher injuries we have on the other hand had some massive uh massive massive hitter injuries yeah i guess some of that might just be how much the tommy john last year was concentrated in the very top tier uh there's probably a fair amount of tommy johns for guys that none of us were thinking about anyway but i think there's a big point there is just how little we actually know about the routines of these athletes and how you know how much last year throwing everything off really screws things up. I mean, we knew it was going to, but yeah. nobody was going to be able to predict exactly how. I don't think anybody should be surprised that there's a ton of injuries, um, but I don't think we should have gone into this thinking we knew all that much. So, right. And it, that even should carry over into next year. I mean, we don't know what's the effect of going from 60 games to 162 games. Maybe that doesn't, you know, really hit you until a year after that. So I think it's right. going to be quite some time before the effects of, last year's uh, shortened season are completely gone. Right. We have some uh, breaking news uh, out of uh, Philly, your beloved Phillies. Uh, the Phillies have placed JT Real Muto on the COVID-related IL. Uh, uh, called up Rafael Marchand uh, from Lehigh Valley. Now, I, again, we, when, with every COVID IL trip, we don't know. Is it, did he test positive? Is it a, is it a close contact? What's the situation there? You know, with the, with the, the Padres, we found, at least we found out pretty quickly on Tatis and Myers that they actually had tested positive. The other players were close contacts, but uh, with real, we don't know the news yet on real Muto, but he's already been kind of banged up anyhow too. Yeah. That's, that's a weird one. When you said IL for real Muto, I was assuming it would be related to that knee. He took a really right. hard foul ball off the inside of his knee a couple of days ago and hasn't played since. Uh, he's, he's the second guy in recent days. I'm forgetting the other one who was banged up with something and then ended up on the COVID IL instead. I wonder is it, you know, the best case scenario here is they're like, you know, you're not going to play for two or three days. Go get your shot now. We'll put you on the COVID IL while you recover. Obviously, no no proof that that's what's happening, but right. I sure hope I, it's that rather than a positive test. It would make at least some sense. Yeah, well, that's, that's the thing. It's like with uh, Corbin Burns, there was a conspiracy theory going around that they were trying to manipulate, you know, his innings by, you know, just shutting him down for a couple, you know. For that, or and also getting the extra arm for that four-game Dodger series, but then he came out and said, "Yeah, I actually tested positive." Now, I think you have to take him at his word. I mean, I I, I think we are too, all too ready to believe uh, conspiracy, conspiracy theories. I think the burden of proof is on the accuser and not the burden to disprove a conspiracy theory. Yeah, definitely wouldn't assume anything here. Hopefully, we find out within a day or so. Hopefully, we find out that it's just a brief absence for him because the Phillies definitely need him. Yeah, they absolutely do. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, Burns, by the way, is returning today. Excited to see that. 
but uh, and I wonder if he'll be limited in his, his number of innings he throws with his first game back. Over under half a walk for Burns tonight. <laughs> I'll take the over. I'm going to be, you know, you know it's the, the couple weeks layoff. What a That's remarkable true. number. I mean, he hasn't walked anybody. Garrett Cole has only walked three batters this season. Seen some really astounding numbers this year. Yeah, I think it was 56 strikeouts without a walk or something for Cole. And I think Burns could hit that today if he, I think he's at 49 to zero, something like that. 48 strikeouts, right. zero walks. So another another one of the same starts, he could be right up there again. Yeah, I flew that L flag on uh, Burns early because, in part, because one of my the three poles of my uh, tripod of concerns with uh, him was the walk rate. You know, ten percent walk rate last year, and zero percent is is an improvement. I think he fixed that yeah. part. Yeah, tough, uh, tough to get much better than that. Right. Um, so we'll see about that. But uh, you know, the the one thing that was uh, the other concern was uh, workload, and the third was just schedule that he's been able to feast on all central division teams. Uh, and he actually, he still kind of has, he, you know, he missed the Dodgers, uh, but uh, we'll see. They're 20 and 17 now with all these injuries. They've had as many injuries as anybody. Uh, they're still playing some pretty good ball. Yeah. It's nothing new for the Brewers, right? I mean, Craig yep. council has been making the most of a team that, I mean, they haven't been bad, but they haven't been a top tier team yet. They keep making it and they go on runs. They really seem like they can squeeze the most out of, you know, decent at best talent there. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Jose Urquidy left yesterday's start after 3.2 innings with posterior shoulder discomfort. Uh, he was he was pitching a jam against the Angels, three three and two thirds innings, but his velocity was down in his last couple throws. Uh, and of course, yeah, that 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 bot that's that's worrisome. Anytime you hear shoulder, you're like oh my gosh, oh my gosh, and I'm I'm right there. I'm I'm pretty concerned. Yeah, he does have something of an injury history. I don't think it's shoulder. I guess last no. year it was the COVID IL, which was the reason why he missed time. But I think he's got a, I think he's he has a Tommy John. Before. Yeah. yeah, but no no shoulder issues. But it's, it's still worrisome even without that history. He was, I think, merely decent this year. Good ERA, but not totally backed by the peripherals. He really just wasn't striking anybody out. 18.6% right. strikeout rate, not walking guys but not a high ground ball rate. I'd actually below 30%. So it wasn't, wasn't necessarily paying anybody back. Uh, a lot of people were quite high on him, I think heading into the year. Um, but now, you know, who, who knows when we'll see him next. In draft season, I argue that strikeouts might come back. It was partially because of COVID partially because of uh, opponents, but part, maybe I was just wish casting a little bit there too. We'll see. Right. I and mean, even the, good version of Arkidi was only about a league average strikeout rate. But when you combine that with good control, that's still a good pitcher for where he was going. Um, right. we'll, we'll see what he does if and when he comes back. But I, I am at least medium down on him based on what we've seen so far. Sure. Uh, final news note, uh, Adalberto Mondesi is beginning his rehab assignment finally. They've been kind of taking it really slow with this oblique injury. We're good six weeks into the season. This is usually the back end of – any sort of estimate on uh, how long an oblique injury is supposed to keep you out. I, and the way that this happens so late and, you know, basically after draft season was over, over the day, the day before the season started, I mean, every, he was drafted everywhere and he was drafted high everywhere. Yeah. This, I mean, he's the type of guy who there's always going to be someone in every league who's incredibly high on him. I mean, remember how awful he was for what, three quarters of last year. Right. It was like, on base percentage near like 200. He was the worst hitter in the league. And then all it took was two weeks to fully uh, get the hype train all the way back on. 
obviously you love what he can do on the base pass. I tend to not end up with these kind of guys because there's always someone who's just obsessed with this kind of profile. I'm always worried about, you know, if they can't hit enough, they're not going to steal. Uh, but probably he's going to hit. It's just There's probably few higher variance players out there. So I think if you're somebody who's been stashing him, he could be your ticket up the standings or he could, you know, help you in one category while tanking you everywhere else. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and hopefully, you know, and you know, he, you know, we'll see these stolen bases come in bunches too. So he, he could do nothing for a month and then dominate for a month. I mean, that's, that's pretty much what he did last year. And he did the same in 2018 too. So, you know, and, and his breakout. So, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting to see, uh, what, what's going to happen with him, but we'll see. Uh, one other note on, uh, JT real Muto, uh, Matt Gelb, uh, who covers the Phillies, uh, for, uh, the athletic, uh, the note he's, he passed on said, Phillies will have a DH this weekend in Dunedin, which will uh, reduce p- uh, pinch hitting situations, but they need an extra man today because of the short bench. They do that by putting Real Muto on the COVID-related list. You know, that seems pretty cynical to me. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, I mean, doesn't there have to be something COVID-related to go on the COVID-related list? It, it makes sense from a roster perspective, but so maybe he really did get the second. Works. Maybe right. he just got the second vaccination. I mean, that, that, again, that's the charitable that, explanation. Right. That's uh, what I would tell him to do if he was going to sit for a couple of days anyway. I hope right. that's all this is. But right, right, and that way they don't have to put him on the IL period, so they can just put him on the short-term one there. So we'll see. I don't know. It just seems pretty. Uh, Pretty hanky, but uh, we'll find out. Yeah, could conveniently timed for sure. Before we move on to talk the barometer and other uh, issues with Eric, a uh, quick note from our sponsors at Blue Wire. Like any good team, hiring the right employees for your front office is just as important as recruiting the best players for the game. That's why you need Indeed. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three. Post, screen, and interview all on Indeed. Get your quality shortlist of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster. Only pay for the candidates that meet must-have qualifications and schedule and complete video interviews in your Indeed dashboard. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com BlueWire. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com BlueWire. Indeed.com slash blue wire offer valid through June 30th terms and conditions apply. 
Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions. And now they want to help you even more. With a Credit Karma Money Spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot, and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Open your FDIC insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll automatically be entered to win $1 million. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash win money to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash win money to sign up for free and start winning. That's creditkarma.com slash win money. Instant karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. All right. That was just for the audio listeners only. The video guys, you got you get to skip those two ads. But uh, here we are. We're back. Eric Halterman is my guest. You can follow Eric on Twitter at Eric underscore Halterman. You can see it on the screen there. Eric, you write the barometer for us. Uh, it's a fun, fun little who's rising, who's falling. So I thought we'd take a tour of some of this here, some of the players you mentioned. Uh, and just jump into that here. Uh, starting, but but actually, before we do that, uh, talk about uh, you know, you know your preamble this week is, hey, 35 games last year was half the season, more than half the season. Here we're not even at the quarter mark. It is pretty refreshing to realize what a long haul of a baseball season is. Yeah, I mean, I think last year we were all in such a scramble just to get through the year that, you know, we were aware that it was weird. But I think now that we're getting some of that perspective again, I think looking back, it's just crazy to realize that, you know, at this point last year, we're heading down the home stretch already. I don't right. definitely, definitely prefer this version a whole lot more. Yeah, absolutely. John Means was awesome and is no hitter against the Mariners. He was awesome against the Mets uh, and his subsequent start often you see guys come off a no hitter and okay they're not that is not that sharp they all they have a shorter outing and he did have a shorter outing i think through the 74 pitches but he got he was super efficient he got through six innings on those 74 pitches yeah and i think the interesting thing for means or about means for me uh is sort of the archetype he represents i think a lot of the times pitchers who've just had a year or two in the league the ones that are exciting are the guys who strike out the world and have really shaky control. You know, I think real life teams and fantasy players look at those guys and say, well, I'll grab him. I know he can do something. And man, if he just learns where the ball is going, he's going to be amazing. We don't generally see these guys who started out like means where they've always had good control, but they didn't really strike out anybody. I mean, that looks like a career back end starter. It's pretty rare uh, to suddenly learn how to strike people out. And this year, uh, at least yeah. there was no hitter. He was at 30% strikeout rate, which is, if not top tier, certainly the second tier. Um, there are some guys like that. It's just harder to, you know, find them. But I think he's doing a good job proving that, you know, that really is a path to success and we should make sure we stay open uh, to that sort of player. Right. I, I, one of the things I like to look for with guys that have such a great change up like he does is the velocity and the velocity picked up with him. And I probably should have been more on top of that. I, I, I didn't have an aggressive enough projection on him. And as a consequence, I, I'm enjoying this uh, breakout from afar. Uh, he is not on not on my watch, unfortunately. Yeah, I think I only ended up with one share. I think I mostly, again, like I said earlier, I, I tend to build strikeout heavy 
rotations. I'm, I'm doing exactly what I said everybody else does. Um, so I tend to tend to miss out on this kind of guy. But yeah, you know, when it works, it certainly is a pretty huge boost. How many leagues are you in? I have ten this year. One one best ball, uh, nine other. I think that's my career high. Trying trying to ramp things up. Okay, I'm trying to scale back, and I'm at 17. Yeah. So I'll give you some tips on that, how how to add yeah. leagues against your will. I'm pretty good at that. We'll um, meet in the middle next year. Yeah. Uh, no. I, and the problem is, like, which which league am I going to cut? I enjoy right. this league too much. Um, I'm not going to take cut out my NFBC leagues. I'm not going to cut out my industry leagues. I actually did cut out one, I, the FSGA league. I didn't do this year. Uh, Clay mm-hmm. took that over, and you know, good for Clay. He deserves a little bit more exposure. Anyhow, he's he's awesome. So uh, that that's that's great. Um, but nobody cares about how many leagues I'm in. So let's move on. Giancarlo Stanton is hitting the ball hard. Every time I turn around, he's smoking a ball. And the thing is, you shouldn't turn your, turn around on him. You should be watching him closely so you don't get smoked. Yeah, I mean, he was picked outside the top 100 this year just because who knows how many games you're going to get out of him. But right, he's, he has had healthy years in the past. And he had a couple in a row where he was playing close to 162 games. So it's not like it's completely unheard of. And if you happen to get him the year where he's on, he's not just a merely good hitter. He's an absolute top-tier hitter. Uh, nobody hits the ball even close to how hard he hits it. He's always the top, the exit velocity, hard hit leaderboards. The only guy who is even in the same ballpark is in the same ballpark in Aaron Judge. And they're yep. collectively a full tier ahead of everybody else. I think that when I checked the other day, the gap between Stanton and whoever was in third in terms of average exit velocity, was the same as the gap between third and thirtieth, or something like that. So that's, that's amazing. Just an entire tier above everybody else. Yeah, and he's making a lot more contact than Judge too, for that matter. So uh, yeah, it's he, he's you know twenty six percent. The funny thing is, he's saying we're saying he's making a lot more contact. He's still striking out twenty six and a half percent of the time. That used to be. I'm old enough to remember when that was a high strikeout rate. That's actually a good rate for him. Yeah, I mean, how many points have we shot up just in the last, like, five years? I think it's every insane. couple years it's a full tick. But I believe Stanton's strikeout rate, even if you don't adjust for era, which I guess given the rate at which strikeout rate is exploding, you practically have to count 2012 as a different era. But even if you don't adjust for era, I think it's his second best. I think his he had one season where he was under 24%, but almost all the time he's in the upper 20s. So more contact than ever and as hard contact as ever. Um, I don't think there's much you can really do with him. You either have him or you don't. I don't think anybody, maybe somebody has him and is looking to get out now while the, while he's, you know, at his peak value. But I think it's mostly just a case of if you happen to take a chance on him this year, great. I mean, you got a, you know, first, second, third round player. Yeah. In the what, sixth, seventh, eighth, something like that. Yeah, that's right. Next player on your upgrade list on the barometer, and you can check that out, rotowire.com slash try. You get a free 10-day trial. Uh, Eric does the barometer every week up on Rotowire. You mentioned Wander Franklin, and you very rarely uh, post on a prospect. Yeah, we all know who he is, but the fact is, he, he you know, it looks to me like he's going to get called up sooner rather than later, given his great start, given that the Rays are kind of slowly starting offensively. Willie Adamas is a slow starter offensively. Uh he was available in one of my five NFBC leagues, uh, and he went for two hundred nine dollars in Fab last week, just because everyone he was drafted and then dropped in one of my online championships. Uh, so that just shows a week before you could have got him for a dollar. That last week, once he started playing, two hundred nine dollars. Yeah, well, I wonder if it should have been a lot more than a dollar two weeks ago. I actually grabbed him in TGFBI. Somebody had to drop him, and I spent a full quarter of my budget on him. But I. 
perfectly comfortable with that. I think second place was like 180 something. So I guess that's I, a good bid then. I that's wasted really 70, bid. but I'm yeah. I'm, I'm no, the higher you get that. though with that, I mean, yeah, you would love to see second place 249, but the fact is, someone else is bidding triple digits was yeah. That, that's a good bid. Uh, that, that's a healthy bid. You, I yeah, I'd, I'd have no problem with that. That's not wasting as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, and I think he's one of the few guys where he has the potential to be a star. I mean, every I think people are expecting from Kellenic. Uh, it's not going to be the exact same shape of production from Franco, but it could easily be just that good. And I've got a team that's doing great in TGFBI this year. It's sitting in the back of the top 10 overall, and he could be the guy that takes me to top. Uh, would rely on some health from Jacob deGrom there, but I think I need to be making that kind of move. To what get slot were you drafting star. out of? What slot were you drafting out of there? Six. And I looked at the top 10 overall, and it's littered with guys drafting six. I, yeah. But that was, I guess, before Jacob DeGrom injury. I bet there's a lot of guys with DeGrom and not all the top guys who've missed time like Soto and Tatis. Uh, right. So far, so far, five, six seems to be the place you wanted to be. Yeah, you either get, yeah, you know, early on you might have gotten DeGrom, and later on I still got Cole in the main uh, at six, the one spot, one time I drafted out of that slot. Uh, and yeah, yeah, if you, and Tatis, the funny thing, at least with Tatis, he's done stuff when he's healthy. Now, granted, his batting average hasn't been great, but you, he's run and he's hit for power. So you you live with that now. This extra time that he's missing is going to hurt a lot. But, uh, yeah, that that's for sure. Uh, but, yeah, I think six has been a nice little sweet spot. That's for sure. Uh, yeah. Who, who else is a uh, secret to your success there? Uh, I did well with some late round pitching, I think. Uh, Trevor Rogers is on that team. So I think that's oh, yeah. more or less all I need to say. I mean, every Trevor Rogers team – has been excellent. Are you uh, required he, as a Rotowire staffer to at least have been wanted to have drafted Trevor Rogers? Because I think uh, I know Clay yeah. and James are high on him. You're high on him. I've got him in a few leagues. Yeah, he was shooting all the way up uh, all of our roundtable rankings. I think I had a, a bidding war with Clay in one of our leagues. I think it might have been Stake League, where yeah. I think we ended up in the high teens for a guy who was mostly going for you know maybe three to five. Obviously, the, the hype cut on. It's not like we were the only people in the world on him. The hype was building throughout March, but he's delivered right. in every, every possible way. Well, it was beautiful early on how cheaply he was going. And then it just with each successive dominant spring training start, you're like, oh, okay, I'm going to have to pay up for him now. Uh, do you, you, you have, you joined the Rotowire staff keeper league and uh, my NL only midnight madness league. Do you have him in either of those two leagues? Where do I have Rogers? Let me check. I've got three shares of Rogers. I've got him in TGFBI. I've got him in a home league and another dynasty league, but I missed out on him in the other Rotowire leagues because probably due to Clay. Yeah, and as a matter of fact, Staff Keeper League, he's on the Diamond Dogs, Clay's team there. Of course he is. There you go. Um, you're doing well in that league, and you're doing well in my the NL Home Keeper League that I joined, uh, that you joined this year. In fact, you're in first place in uh, the NL one. Uh, what? What's the secret there? How are you beating us? Yeah, that, that's an interesting one, especially because I wasn't even aware that it was OPS instead of runs, and I'm winning OPS. Not that trying to have good hitters in general doesn't lead to winning OPS, but clearly there's been some good luck involved in that one. Uh, it was fun to join that league. I was looking for some only league experience. That was one of the, the gaps that I had. Um, had some, again, some late pitching workout. Uh, one of the unusual things I did there is I had the first pick in that reserve slash minors draft because the team yep. I took over was last the previous year. 
And I did not take a prospect. I took JT Brubaker uh, because I figured in an only league, just having pitchers you were happy with all year is going to be a huge key. And he was a guy that stood out to me as he definitely should have gone in the auction. Uh, I didn't think we'd get this from him, but he's a guy, I, I think I had him in half my leagues because last year, uh, he was average or better in strikeout rate, ground ball rate, and walk rate. I uh, was not elite in any of those areas, but I think there was, it was like 15, 17 pitchers who threw at least as many innings that could say that, that they just had no weaknesses in any of those areas. And it's mostly aces, Nathan Eovaldi randomly, and then also JT Brubaker. Uh, so a guy with no weaknesses like that definitely was interesting. So I took a chance on him rather than a prospect and I've gotten way more than I could have expected from a reserve round in an only league there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that That's worked out really well. Sometimes you find those scores a little bit there. Um, I, I don't think I did this year. I, I've got all the injuries though, too. So it's hard, hard to say, um, I, I, including uh, uh, Christian Yelich as a keeper. I missed, I lost the league last year by a half a point on the last day of the season. I'm not bitter and holding on to that at all, <laughs> but uh, it, it was kind of the end of the run. I had a, like a cheap Trevor story that was on his last year of his contract, a couple other ones. So I'm, I'm kind of stuck in that middle there of like, do I go for it again or do I start really start rebuilding? And I think I'm leaning into the latter. So we may have to work a trade out sometime later this season, if not on air today. Yeah, we can talk. Looks like you're winning ERA and I'm bad in ERA, so... Yeah, give me give me whoever's doing that. We'll figure something out. Yeah, all right. I, I've got an expiring Jack Flaherty that might look good on you. Uh, so we'll, so we'll see certainly wouldn't that. hurt. Yeah, um, we'll see what sort of prospect I can get out of that. Uh, a couple other things I want to talk about with Eric's barometer. Uh, you can check out on RotoWire.com, uh, and you can kind of check out. And I'll see if I can pull up the screen here, and you guys can take a look at it here. But. Uh, uh, Let's see if I can go ahead and do that. You can see Eric's uh, article up on rotowire.com, his risers and fallers every single week. Uh, I'm scroll really fast so it makes it hard. But you mentioned JT Brubaker and Tyler Anderson, both guys that uh, are, 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 are players that are off to a great year. Um, and you look at them and you look at the Pirates, finding any sort of value out of them is tough. But the two, two starting pitchers and Richard Rodriguez are definitely off to great seasons. Yeah, and the the Pirates with that pitcher-friendly park, you don't have to be that good to be at least a moderately interesting pitcher there. Uh, I guess you have to be better than whatever Mitch Keller has turned into. But you get these guys who would ordinarily be pretty bland mid-rotation back-end starters. I don't think anybody expects frontline performance from Tyler Anderson going forward. Right. he wasn't, he was basically not drafted at all. He was a complete afterthought. I mean, when you're mediocre and spending most of your career in Colorado, people tend to forget about you. Uh, but apparently when you're mediocre in pitching in Pittsburgh and then you become slightly better than mediocre, he's a completely playable. His strikeout rate's still below average, but it's close. Uh, he's got good control, 7% walk rate, something like that. About league average ground ball rate. So there's nothing special here, but given the park, you know, given the NL Central isn't all that tough. I think that's one thing people may have overcorrected on heading into this year is they saw the numbers from the Central Division last year, and I think people may have, like, regressed them too hard because they, these guys Maybe. still are playing in the NL Central. It's, they're not playing two-thirds of their games against them, but, you know, in an or- ordinary year, we still are excited for these guys who – pitch in weak divisions as so i think that's still a boost for both brubaker and anderson yeah i mean let's face it fading nl central guys 
got you to avoid the Luis Castillo disaster. Right. Kenta Maeda has been a disappointment. But you, it also means you missed out on Brandon Woodruff. You missed out on Corbin Burns if you overcorrected for that, too. So it's six, one half dozen, another. So we'll see. Um, and, you know, we'll see how this one plays out, too, because, you know, and like you said, they faced a lot of Central Division teams early on, especially. So, uh, especially in the NL, I know, NL side of things, I know that's true. Uh, so we'll see what that changes, at, what, what changes the summer brings as far as that goes. Uh, Woodruff looked pretty darn good yesterday against the Cardinals. Had that one bad, uh, one bad pitch. Tyler O'Neill got him, uh, so he didn't get the win, unfortunately for him. But uh, pitched really well otherwise. Yeah, I mean, he was what right in the middle of that second tier of starters during draft season. I think there's every reason to believe he's going to be there again mm-hmm. next year. I don't know if he's got enough to take that jump into the first round. I think Corbin Burns might vault over him. There's there's a chance if Burns keeps going the way he's going that we're talking about him alongside the Shane Biebers of the world next year. But I think Woodruff absolutely has justified his spot and should continue to. Let's uh, talk about some fallers. A couple of guys on Cleveland uh, starting off at the top, Andres Jimenez and Tristan McKenzie. Uh, let's talk Jimenez because this is a guy who's had was had some serious draft helium. By the time the main event drafts rolled around, he was going in the top 100 in a lot of leagues. Yeah, I mean, people, I think we're right to expect pretty good things. Um, last year, he showed plenty of speed and respectable average in power. And that's, you know, given how much people love speed, given how rare speed is, I think there was every reason to like that. And once there was news that Ahmed Rosario was mostly going to be playing center or at least trying the outfield, it sure seemed like Jimenez was going to be close to the everyday shortstop. Uh, he has had playing time. It's mostly a platoon role. He, he's not sitting against every lefty, but it's basically a platoon between him and Rosario. But, man, he looks a lot closer to a demotion than a everyday role. He's just an absolutely anemic batting line, at hitting you know below 200 last I checked, on base in the low 200s, no power, striking out way more than last year, not really walking at all. I mean, there's, there's just nothing nothing to like in the line. He's young. He might just not be ready yet, unfortunately. Yeah, you might be right about that. Speaking of fallers, got a question in the chat room here from Alfonso asked, should I start Luis Castillo tonight? I think he can bounce back. He's definitely been a faller. Uh, guy that you know had a horrible outing against Cleveland on Saturday. Uh, he said he could not get a feel for his changeup. He only had one swing and miss with this changeup, and that is his money pitch. Uh what say you on Luis Castillo tonight and going forward? Yeah, I mean, his strikeouts have just evaporated. They've been cut almost in half. Um, yeah. He did everything you want to see last year. He combined a strikeout rate north of 30% with a ground ball rate in the high 50s. I mean, the few guys do both of those things. He still has an, a, a solidly above average ground ball rate this season. He actually has his career best walk rate, but that might be because everybody's already hit the ball. Uh, his strikeout rate's down to 16.8%, and that comes with a velocity drop, still high, but down nearly a tick and a half to from 97.5 to 96.1 is what I'm seeing. So, And that's just the fastball. The changeup's right. going slower. The slider's going slower, too. Um, you're right. I, I I I Until like the last outing, I still thought maybe he, he's a buy low. I definitely wouldn't use him in Coors Field tonight. Uh, I guess you, if you are really desperate, you know, and you, you have no, you're, you're like in a head-to-head league, and you're you're just going to be short on starts. I would use him. Uh, I I typically would not though. Uh, I, I 
I don't have that problem because there's other guys I like better in the second round than him. So I always ended up with either Woodruff or Zach Gallon. Oops, uh, or or others uh, in that range. In that range, although Gallon was at the lower end of that range. But point is, a lot of second round pitchers have been pretty darn good too. That's the opportunity cost. If you went with Castillo, you missed out on so many other good options. Yeah, definitely. I think I ended up with a bit of him, but luckily not a ton. I think there's an interesting question about cores this year. This is got to be the weakest Rockies lineup that I can remember. Yeah, um, I know it's still Coors Field, but I definitely care about that a lot more for Rockies pitchers who have to face actually good lineups. I think the Rockies are just anemic. I mean, they're they're down there with the Tigers and yeah. I think nobody else. I think you still have to. You obviously have to treat it as moderately scary. But when you're facing, you know, Josh Fuentes and whatever this game version winning is. hit yesterday yeah come on do, right. do well, not defame the, you know, don't don't diminish the work that josh Fuentes is doing now, yeah. uh i heard this the other day and I, I you know it was relayed to me uh so i i can't verify the exact number but that rockies at home were still averaging over six runs per game at court is uh you know they're just so anemic on the road um right. now it's you know typically they should be averaging over seven at home because it's of course field but uh yeah, I, I'm still on the fence. I probably wouldn't start him, but I, I I get why people who are invested in him being your first top starting pitcher, you just start him and hope that he, you know, the only way you win is when he if he lives up to his uh, you know billing. So I don't know. Tough call on that one there. Good question. Thank you, Alfonso. Uh, we'll, we'll talk more about Castillo, I'm sure, going forward. Uh, before we move on, two quick announcements. One, uh, WinBet is signing on to be a sponsor with us. Uh, and we're thankful for their uh, their business. We don't have uh, a copy from the ad on a good read, but please, uh, if you're looking to do sports betting and you can do so in your state and WinBet is available, please check them out. We'll have more information on how to use their services going forward. The other is our friends at Vivid Seats. Uh, the world is coming back and NFL season is upon us. Uh, the schedule release happened yesterday, May 12th. Uh, you, if, you, if you're like me, you're looking to go see the action live, head on over to uh, Vivid Seats, the ultimate go-to source for live events from the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater and comedy shows vivid seats makes it easy for you to discover your favorite event find your seat gain entry and make new memories just download the app choose your city and get access to the largest selection of tickets on the games and performances you love including the nfl mlb nba and more for a limited time vivid seats is list is giving our listeners 10 percent of your ticket up to 30 dollars max $30 max. Just use the promo code ROTOWIRE when you check out. Every purchase is backed by its 100% buyer guarantee, and you'll even earn cash back with the Vivid Seats Rewards Program. Vivid Seats, getting you into the game. I'm Jeff Erickson here with Eric Halterman. Uh, you can follow Eric on Twitter at Eric underscore Halterman. That's E-R-I-K. Eric, you are a big Phillies guy, right? Did I get that yep. right? Yep, born born in the Philly area. I actually lived in Toronto for ten years as a kid. So my first favorite team was the Sean Green, Carlos Delgado, Roy Halladay Blue Jays. Okay, uh, it didn't really keep up with them when I moved back to the Philly area when I was eleven. So most mostly like, a Phillies fan. Do you have like a secondary interest? Like, okay, I'm happy when the Blue Jays do well, or do you just not care about them anymore? Yeah, definitely, but just not. I'm not following them. If if there's no particularly interesting game on MLB. Dot TV. Uh, I'll prioritize the Blue Jays over anything else over a neutral game, but okay. basically just a Phillies fan at this point. Gotcha. Okay, so let's talk Phillies. Uh, you know, they, they they spent a lot of the offseason trying to revamp their bullpen, trying to add a lot of velocity. Uh, you know, you know, I thought Archie Bradley was going to be the closer at one point. Nope, 
It's still Hector Nerys. Nerys has had some bumpy games, but you know had a clean outing yesterday. What's your thought there, uh, starting in the bullpen? Yeah, I think Nerys gets sometimes underrated. I think I think he's totally fine. Um, I don't think he would close for a true contender, but I do think he would be an eighth inning guy on a true contender. And I think he's perfectly fine to close for a team. You know, that's not one of the top 10 teams in the league. Most of his seasons are quite good. He has some real duds. Uh, he was demoted in the middle of 2018 and finished with an ERA north of five. But he's got closer strikeout rates regularly in the high 20s or above 30%. This year he's at 29.2, which is up a few ticks from last year. So I don't think he's by any means an elite closer, but I don't think he's somebody we should be looking at as, you know, on the brink of losing his job at all times. Yeah. Jose Alvarado is throwing hard, but he's also got a 150 whip. Uh, you know, I, I look at him as, you know, he is a threat, but then again, he's walked nine guys in 10 and two thirds. Yeah. I think the Phillies have to be thrilled with what they got though. They traded away Garrett Clevenger who had thrown one single MLB appearance and I think is actually older than Alvarado. That's the thing about Alvarado. He, he broke in so young. He's still just 26, 25 mm -hmm. even. Um, and I think they have to be happy with what they're getting. I mean, they knew he doesn't have good control. He's walking uh, nearly 18% of opposing batters, but he's striking out enough guys. All of his outings are adventures. But I think as a seventh, eighth inning guy, I think he's he's good enough for that. Okay. I didn't want to spend too much time in the bullpen, but those are the two guys we're talking about. Uh, a hot button issue for them has been the outfield production. Obviously, Harper is Harper, but... Center field has had some huge droughts. Odubel Herrera is now kind of taking over a little bit more often uh, in, in center. Uh, and then left field, Andrew McCutcheon is off to a pretty bad start, not just offensively. Every time I look up and see a Phillies game, he's struggling in left field too. Uh, and it's kind of sad to see because I like Kutch a lot, but you know, I, I, he, he seems like he's, you know, he's losing a step out there in the field too. Yeah. There was the thing about him getting an, eye exam a week or two ago yeah. they were they were that worried about his defense that they thought something was up with his eyes i don't remember seeing if there was a verdict there but i do think it actually corresponded to some better performances uh he's got a hit in most of his recent games he's dragged his wrc plus up above 100 you want more than that from a guy who's a bat first corner outfielder but He's always had the elite walk rate, which I guess makes the eye concerns a little bit weird, given that we use the word eye to describe a guy's ability to take a walk. But that's that's as high as ever. Power's declining a bit. I mean, with age, you'd expect that. And his batting average was already going. Uh, I think it'll end up above 224 where it is now, but I wouldn't expect much above 250 with only modest power there. Uh, so he's a better real-life player in that he – still walks a lot if you're in an obp league i think he's still fine but i mean this this is clearly a player in decline i think there's no no doubt about that yeah uh, is there any help on the way is there anybody uh, in the system that could they get called up i mean they've gone with uh, moniac for a while and uh he's been a maniac and sent back down uh kingery is up and down it seems like constantly roman quinn shockingly enough is hurt hazley's been away from the team for a while you know, is, is there someone in the farm system I'm overlooking? Is there someone that could give them help later this season? Not really, unless you're a Moniac guy. And that's kind of the most frustrating thing about being a Phillies fan right now is 
the team spent all its assets just to get to where it is, you know, which yeah. is a perennial 500 team. Team never really had a good uh, minor league system. Maybe I guess when Aaron Nola was still a prospect, he alone was enough to get them in the top half. But I guess people like JP Crawford a while ago, but that hasn't really worked. But they just there's never been this restocking, even throughout the rebuild. It was never, you know, here's this massive wave of guys who are definitely going to turn this team around. So that we've just kind of had to limp along getting, you know, one Aaron Nola, one Alec Baum every four or five years and then a whole bunch of not much. So if if there's help on the way, it has to be Mickey Moniak, I think, in terms of guys arriving this year. And right. I, I'm not expecting above average performance from Moniak this year. Uh, he at least is back in the mix as he is probably a major leaguer. I think for his you know, first two, three years of his minor league career, he was looking like, you know, is this guy even going to reach AAA? I mean, he he just couldn't right. hit. No, no power, not even all that great contact. Uh, he's back to looking like somebody who can be maybe a you know second division starter out there, but mm-hmm. definitely at least an adequate fourth outfielder. You know that might be good enough to be the Philly center fielder this year, uh, right. but not not a lot of exciting top level prospects. And when you're the first overall pick in the draft, I mean that's that's tough. I mean that the opportunity cost of who else you could have drafted. Uh, is really tough and just you know it's very rare that you get the draft with that sort of premium you paid a price you really had an awful season the year before to deal with that uh, and and to not be able to cash in on that is super frustrating and it's something that's that's a hard thing to, to recover from yeah and that was a year where there was no clear top guy although some of the guys have worked out uh, the, the Phillies were I think intentionally going for the cheapest of the top tier options uh, they were betting big on a pitcher in the second round whose name escapes me at the moment because he blew out his elbow and I think has done nothing. So the idea was let's get, you know, unfortunately we didn't get the first pick in the Bryce Harper year. Let's take the fifth best guy. And then a guy who should have gone in the twenties. And you know, when that guy blows out his arm, it looks a whole lot worse, but yeah, can't say, can't say it's worked out well. Can't say much has worked out really on the draft and development side for the Phillies. Yeah. What do you do? Like, what's their move? How can they like make a push? Because, and you have so much invested in, in the now, you know, with bright, you know, the big Harper contract, you got Nola, you signed Wheeler, you know, Eflin's actually kind of living up to expectation, but yeah, you've got Chase Anderson and Vince Velasquez is your four or five. I mean, that's, that's, it's, it's really tough to kind of put together a real contender with that, with that and their right. outfield problems. Yeah, too bad they traded away Nick Pavetta right before Nick Pavetta is maybe okay. But I think as a Phillies fan, I'm not expecting Nick Pavetta to stay okay for all that right. long. Yeah, I mean, Spence, Spencer Howard should show up eventually, but he dimmed He's his star hurt. with a pretty pretty mediocre last year. They said his conditioning was bad, which isn't really what you want to hear, but there was just none of the elite numbers he showed in the minors. It was maybe too big a jump for him. He, he had not even pitched all that much in A. In 2019, he was just so dominant that people thought he was going to be up and just fully ready to go last year, and that just wasn't at all the case. I think they're managing his innings in the early part of this year. There's certainly a chance he's up by the midseason and is completely legitimate, at least mid-rotation starter. So that shrinks your rotation problems from two to one. But, you know, you still got one. Uh, Vince Velazquez has had a couple good starts, but 
he's had a couple good starts for most of the last five years. So I, I'm definitely not considering that spot filled either. Yeah. Uh, quick heads up. Um, you, we got about five minutes left because I got to jump on and do the uh, XM show. But you do KBO work for us, a Korean baseball organization. Uh, I did some projections for him last year. This year, I didn't have the bandwidth to be able to do that. Has doing KBO coverage helped your overall game? Like, does it, you know, starting with like basically fresh powder, you know, a whole pool of players you have to learn. How has that affected like your fantasy game? That's an interesting question. I, I mean, it's definitely been fun. I mean, you know that you just don't get that feeling in MLB about discovering players, really. Right. I mean, if you if it's your job to know everything you can about MLB, you probably have an opinion on just about every guy in just about every lineup. And, and so right, does everybody of, else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and if there's a guy you have no opinion on, it's because – he has no business being there, right? Whereas right. with KBO, there's, you know, all this history backstory to learn of all these guys who, you know, they're decent now, but wow, look, this guy's been fantastic for four of the last five years. There's probably something here. It's definitely made me a better researcher, I think, just so, so much Googling, tons of Google Translate. I've definitely used a lifetime mm. worth of Google Translate since I started right. covering KBO last year. Um, and, I don't. I don't know how much I'm going to take back into MLB uh, because you know a lot of a lot of my work on KBO is just trying to figure out what's knowable about right. these guys that we have at our fingertips at the MLB level. You know the ridiculous amount of extensive stats we have. You know it's it's kind of it, it would have helped me a ton if I were a fantasy analyst 15 years ago, 20 years ago. You know pre Statcast, pre whatever came before Statcast. Just the amount of info that's easily available about the KBO is a lot more limited. So it's a lot more, you know, looking at just strikeout and walk numbers and that kind of thing. Um, but definitely it's, it's been fun just to have that experience of discovery, I think. Right. Uh, and the thing is this year has got to be tougher. Last year it was an oasis. Everybody was watching now. You know, ESPN is not giving you that nightly game. Uh, we, you know, it's, which, was awesome. We got to know some good, uh, you know, got to know Eduardo Perez a lot better. Got to know Carl Ravitch a lot better. Got to know like guys like Daniel Kim, uh, you know, and you got to got to it's, it's some really good personalities. But it's a lot different now to try to. It's probably got to be harder to cover because uh, you're not watching every night either. Yeah, it's definitely a sense in which it's harder. Although I think for me, that's at least been offset by, you know, learning where everything is. You know, finding those Korean language advanced stats that you can hopefully figure out what they mean via Google Translate and that sort of thing. And nice. there's still plenty of good resources out there, like Daniel Kim, like you mentioned, Jiho Yu, who yeah, covers the sport for Yonhap News in English. It's great, great information all the time. So I think I think, I think it's more or less been offset by the fact that at this point, I, I know where to find everything I'm looking for. That's great. That's cool. Uh, finally, uh, you did a video for us, uh, help uh, people to learn how to optimize. We won't go dig, dig deep into that, but... How often are you playing DFS these days? Uh, as often as I can. I probably actually play more KBO DFS because I write our KBO DFS article sure. every single day. Uh, just five game slates every day, which I kind of actually prefer those smaller ones because it feels like you can really get a sense for the whole thing. Really sure. find the two pitchers that you really like. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I play as often as I can. Uh, and I you know, use, use the optimizer plenty. I, I like using it as more of a brainstorming tool, but I think the great thing about it is that if you have five seconds and want players to root for tonight, you just click that button and you've got lineups. I think yeah. the best thing about it is you can do that or you can 
you can literally project a point total for every single player in the league and it'll spit out the optimal lineup based on your hand done projections. So I think, I think that flexibility is, is great. I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, we'll close with a user question, listener question. Uh, LMS, uh, I'm looking to upgrade my third base. I'm thinking of trading JD Martinez for Devers, current outfield core is Soto Hanniger and Fran Mill Reyes. Have to bench one of those three currently with Martinez because it's uh, Yahoo set up. Uh, and his current third baseman is Cabrian uh, Hayes. He's worried about him for obvious reasons. He's been out all this time. Push back. I think that's a pretty fair deal. In fact, if you were drafting at the beginning of the season, Devers was going way ahead of uh, Martinez. And it's not like Devers has been a slug either. Devers has been pretty good in his own right. JD's just been very good. I think this is a good trade. What do you think? Yeah, that, that strikes me as fair. I would say I'm not super worried about Hayes. It seems like he is taking the necessary steps. They just threw him on the 60-day IL just to be extremely safe. I think there's yep. you know, reports of him working out all the time. So he's basically fine, but I, I like the deal anyway. Yeah, I do too. Um, that wraps it up. What are you working on right now? I guess you, what day, the barometer comes out earlier in the week, uh, obviously. Uh, what else? Uh, you, where, where else can people find your work? Yeah, I got Barometer comes out every Monday. I've got daily KBO piece. I do five of the six pieces a week. I've started doing, uh, this will be my second week, doing a quick uh, video on uh, waiver wire pickups for SiriusXM and Rotowire. So that'll be coming out probably nice. released tomorrow. So I think those are the main things right now. Very good. Uh, that's going to wrap up today's podcast. We got two star starters with Clay and Todd tomorrow. Eric, thanks for joining on with us today. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Hope we do it again sometime. All right, you bet. Uh, thanks, everybody listening. Please, as always, subscribe and rate and review. We really do appreciate it there. Uh, and you can check out our free 10-day trial at Rotowire. Here's the uh, info on that. Try Rotowire today, free for 10 days. Get our premium tools, rankings, analysis, and breaking news alerts. No credit card required. Go to rotowire.com forward slash try.